0: Hi there, this is Ellen Dubin, and you're listening to the FSF Popcast.
1: The show that behaves a lot like Emperor Palpatine, just like Papa Palps, somehow we returned. Our
2: show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Woman number 137. She'll know that when she puts on the red shirt and joins the Jenna Besser sisterhood, gaining physical and mental powers, that she can move her family destitute and without hope. Because the red shirt, Widows and Orphans Fund has her back. And what's left of the pain box. All right,
1: guys, our guest today is an actress and voice actress whose talents uh, you've seen, you've heard in movies, TV shows, and video games such as Napoleon Dynamite, uh, 2021's Dune. She was in Megan, uh, The Elder Scrolls lego star wars and a few other things we are very happy and proud to welcome ellen dubin to the FSF podcast welcome to the show ellen
0: thank you tim and nick i'm happy to be here excellent <laughs> I, I can speak english right now i'm so happy <laughs> to have you have you or you're having me right now and um <laughs> I, you can ask me anything and i'm not even you know i'm just ready to go ready and happy All to right. be here.
1: <laughs> excellent all right, so Ellen, you've had your chances to dip your uh, toes, so to speak, in several different sandboxes in the sci-fi and fantasy worlds. And the one that I'm probably most interested in, and now if if I were at my normal studio, you'd see a wall of Funko Pops behind me. And tonight, I'm just displaying this lovely uh, beat-up and battered Death Star scene. Um, so the one that I'm most interested about has to do with this. I'm a massive Star Wars fan. And so when I saw that you had something to do in the Star Wars universe, I was like, oh, we must talk. Uh, And so, ta-da, you said, yes, here we are. So you provided the world with the voice for Captain Phasma and a few others in in the Lego Star Wars games and a few other games. You did some work in, in some other Star Wars projects as well. So I always like to ask the following question of anybody who's had something to do in Star Wars. Okay? Go for it. All right were you a fan of star wars before you got started in the project and if so what was your entry point into the fandom
0: i was never a fan of sci-fi
1: okay
0: so this is a very i you know i didn't know much about it i speaking of dipping your toes i started in the ballet world so that was a very interesting way you put the question so i was in the dance world so i wasn't in the sci-fi world and then At the time I started acting on camera, there was a lot of sci-fi shows, so I started to go, oh, this is kind of cool, these parts are interesting, it's unique, it's fantastic, and then I started to see the world of Star Trek and Star Wars and all the rabid, fabulous fans and basically the most iconic shows Ever done in the sci-fi world, and so when I booked my first Star Wars, I'm going to say I I won't talk about the video game. I'll talk more about Lego Star Wars and Star Wars Resistance. People were like, "Ellen, you're now in the Star Wars world," and I actually started to freak out because I think to go from not really knowing about it to not really caring to okay, this is pretty good. Oh my God, this is. (laughs) <laughs> the, the pinnacle of sci-fi. You know, you're in the most iconic. So I can now say I'm a member of the Star Wars family. And to do Lego Star Wars, which is Lego and Star Wars combined, which are two iconic brands, so to speak. Yes. And then do Star Wars Resistance and the other Star Wars. I mean, the they were t- sort of more TV specials. That's what they called them. The first, the first ones. Um, before I did the Star Wars Resistance. Um, I am absolutely over the moon now. So yeah, I'm converted. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> I believe. I believe.
1: <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. So, what is it? So it sounds like it's very important to you. But what does it mean to you? Like, like when I talk to people and, and they ask me what Star Wars means to me, I'm going to use a saying that I can use because Kathleen's not here tonight, and she can only mock me after the fact. <laughs> So I, we ha- we have a third co-host who's typically here with us but uh, her little girl got sick and then uh, she got sick so uh yeah so Kathleen is 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 down with a, a head and chest cold right now so uh, she she probably sounds like a 1930s gangster
2: um
1: but at least that's how I'm that's how I'm envisioning it anyway uh, but anyway, she always get, makes makes fun of me gives me a hard time because I always say that I tell people, that when they say, well, what? how important is Star Wars to you? I'm like, well, Star Wars is like my marriage. It's there for me in good times and bad, sickness and in health. Wow. So, you know, do you have any thoughts along that line? You know, what does Star Wars mean to you now that you, you've been converted and you're a believer?
0: It gives me a tremendous sense of pride. And to be, I think this is the top, this is like the icing on the cake for me to be cast because everybody, everybody wants to be cast in anything that says Star Wars. So I think it, it it gives me sort of a little feather in my cap. I do feel proud that I was able to book this because you're competing against mega A-listers for this for sure. project. So, And I feel really honored and grateful to be cast. So it's a combination of pride, honor, and being grateful. And I can say now... And among other projects, that I am now part of history, sci fi history, truly. So that's oh, how yeah, I-
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, a, that's an awesome answer. And yeah, I mean, if I were a voice actor and I had a chance to do anything in the Star Wars universe, if Dave Filoni came to me and said, hey, I'm starting a new animated series and I just need you to say three lines as Biff the janitor, would you do it? <laughs> yes. Just pay me lunch. You don't have to give me money. Just <laughs> give me lunch and let me say that I'm in Star Wars somewhere. You have no idea how excited that I would be over that. I, I mean, would never you, stop smiling.
0: Exactly. The name carries a lot of weight. Oh, and, sure. Yeah. They really know. People say, I'll just I'll just sit there and go eat
1: beep, 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 That's it. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Do you feel that having been in Star Wars, that it has opened up other roles for you?
0: Yeah, it has. It's, um, it's uh, a great credit on your resume and person who casts for Lucas, you know, all that stuff, Lucas, Disney, Marvel, it's all connected and people are listening and yeah, it's, It's a great uh, resume credit for sure. And obviously Mm -hmm. you have to do a good job. People, you know, people forget that there's always people listening. That audition, you know, I want to tell your listeners that if they're interested in acting or voice acting, just because you don't book a specific job, they're always listening. How I book Star Wars is very interesting. Somebody heard me in a class. Lindsay. Uh, Pearlman who casts all of uh, the Star Wars shows I was taking a class in um, video game acting and she heard me and two, three years later she said okay you're going to be cast as uh this part uh, Captain Phasma in Lego Star Wars and then Star Wars and I went I don't do sound I, I, this. It's my least favorite mm-hmm a voiceover for me. I have friends who could listen, you know, to an actor and get them right away. I don't feel like I have a particular skill in it, but apparently I do because there's a few others I do. But anyway, she had such a good ear. And what made me feel really good is when I initially did my first Captain Phasma, the sound engineer who did um Star Wars movie with her in it, said, you sound exactly like her. And I went, oh, <laughs> because you know, when you're doing somebody, and she's such an incredible actor, I mean, I'm such a fan of hers from Game of Thrones. You want to do not only Star Wars justice, you want to do the actress justice. So I had a double weight on me. So the fact that I convinced people, or however I did it, <laughs> that, that it was this, you know her, uh, and you know you put in your own. Nuances, but there's definitely when you, re, you know, you're doing an iconic character that's already established. There are markers you have to follow. There yeah. are things that I had to honor, voice wise, presence wise, feeling wise, you know. And all they sent me was an interview with Gwendolyn Christie on I think, one of those late night shows because they wouldn't show me the footage from the mm. movie. And they didn't have it at the time. So I was kind of struggling in the dark because just because somebody's doing an interview like I'm doing now doesn't mean I'm going to sound the same as Captain Phasma. But I picked up a few nuances, and uh, I was able to, and then with their help, you know, because they were very, very specific. Very, because the Star Wars fans, speaking of Star Wars fans, is they are, they know everything. They know every breath. They know every word. So you really have to be on your game.
1: Yeah, yeah. A little yeah. picky. A little picky. What? <laughs>
2: I'm not.
0: <laughs> Honestly, anyway, I'm a fan,
2: but that, no, right? I'm not that That part. was a segue for your <laughs> listeners
0: just to, you never know when somebody's listening. And a job, an audition, or something you did two years ago could come back. Several years later, you're building that house foundation. So I just wanted to tell your listeners that it's really important.
1: That's great advice. So that
2: kind of leads into my other question that I have. Uh, So you are a member of women in film and television, women in animation. Like there's a big, long list of a lot of things that you're a society of. And I know Kathleen would ask this question because of her four-year-old what advice would you like to give to the younger generation into either getting into voice work or acting or or how do you think they could launch off of that
0: great question i think i'm going to save people a lot of time and effort and years here by just saying it's interesting in the acting field we're always running away from ourselves trying to be something different and yet it's all the things that the teacher told you not to do in school. It's all the weird quirks, like if you're going on camera, it's the fact that, you know, one shoulder's higher than the other, or you're nine feet tall or 70 feet wide, or you've got 42 noses or whatever. All your quirks and your idiosyncrasies are what make you special and will get you the job. It's more about you putting yourself into the roles, whether it's on camera or voice-wise, and more and more, because I teach video game voiceover acting, people are always coming in and going, hi there, my name is Suthius, my Suthius. And I'm like, no, let me hear you just say that in your own voice. And that's what gets you cast initially. How you connect to the material, the relationships you create, and all your quirks and fabulousness of yourself. So I would tell people, don't run away from yourself. Try and focus on being yourself. I know it sounds really corny, but it is true, true, true. They can hear it, they can see it in an audition if you're on camera like we are now, or if I wasn't on camera and you just heard me, you can feel when someone is trying to put on something phony. Hmm. And we all do that. We all think, what do they want? Hmm, I'm not enough. This is what it is, guys. Here's the secret. You are enough. I am enough. Whether you're you know, no matter what you sound like, because it's not really what you sound like that's important, or look like, it's
1: not. I think that's a fantastic answer. Honestly, um, we've had a, we've had a couple of other people who have we've asked a, a similar question to in the past, and you know, a couple of them had similar answers. And and I think the thing that stood out to me was, uh, in each person that's answered this, they've each said something similar to the effect of. It's it's not about how many silly voices you can do. It's not about you know because when everybody thinks voiceover, that's the the, I think the first thing that many people think is oh I have to have a you know this this you know backpack full of of different voices and I have to be able to do all these different things you know even though I'm not going to be on camera I just have to have the voices but they haven't gone to study the acting they haven't gone to study all the done all the different things that lead up to that point of getting that job booking that job and then there's the confusion of, well, why do they want to hear me? Why do they, you know, what's, what, you know, how come I'm, you know, I, I have all these great voices. Why do they, why don't they want to hear those? And I, that was, I think that was a comment that we had somebody else make was that, you know, you, when you go into an audition, don't come in, you know, trying to spit a bunch of lines at them in, in all these different voices, just come in and talk and be you and present yourself and then talk about the role because if, if they don't like you, it doesn't matter how many voices you have
0: exactly and also listen there are times where you're, you know you're doing some crazy character or whatever or, you know or some crazy animal but it all comes from your guts and your soul and your heart and you know we can always layer you can make yourself sound you know that you're more raspy or higher and squeakier or you're a mouse and you're afraid but why is the mouse afraid i mean if you really just play a general being afraid or being strong then it becomes a generalization. And then the voice is like this, if I'm strong, if I'm afraid, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like this. But why are you afraid? What is the reason? And if you have an actual, it's called you know an objective in acting, then it's more connected to you or else it just becomes, I you cannot play an adjective as an actor. If you do, it's just oh. going to be a generalization. There's a nice tip for all you upcoming actors.
2: Not play an adjective
0: no think about it if you, let's say i tell you right now play angry you're gonna go i'm mad i'm happy i'm those are the worst kind of types where you're just playing a general thing why why are you happy you're happy you might be giggling all the time my happy might be well, yeah this is not you know it's it's nice and i'm a little shy to tell you about it but i'm really happy to be here or whatever you
1: know <laughs> no. you 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 that's cool I think that's great advice. I think many times in life, I think we try too hard to be something else for someone else, even outside of acting in general. And talking about one hundred percent
0: in life, I I agree completely. We we don't think that we're enough. We think we're boring, or in anything, in an interview or talking with our friends, everybody in the world has a mask. What I've talked to you will be different than how I talk to my mother or my brother or a salesperson in the store. You know, we all. We all play roles every day.
1: Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, hey, that you're just like setting them up, and we're just, you know, so <laughs> know. you're 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 leading us right into our next question. This is this is great. It's like you have a copy of our notes. It's fantastic. Don't I? I don't.
0: I <laughs> don't.
1: <laughs> all right. So, Ellen. Um, You know, being an actor, whether on camera or behind camera, gives you the opportunity to play different characters, creatures, people from all different walks of life, even universes, uh, you know, because of some of the things that you've done. But for you personally, what has been the most difficult character role for you to take on, for you to learn how to portray and Why?
0: okay this is the i always go with the first thing that comes to my mind
1: so yeah please
0: i did a mini series for abc and disney called a wrinkle in time which is based on a very mm-hmm. famous book a metal angle and i love played that a, book it's a great book and it's very uh it's an iconic book actually it's yeah mm-hmm. and again about the tesseract and a sort of a sci-fi element as well mm-hmm. and uh but an incre- incredible message. And I played a character named Ant Beast. Mm-hmm. And Ant Beast was blind. And it was a 200 and something pound, kind of looked like Chewbacca. Right. And the physicality of that, I will never bad mouth Doug Jones, I love you. Prosthetic actors, he's a friend. Prosthetic actors, again, because I've got people wear prosthetics because I've got to tell you, it is absolutely excruciating to be masked up prosthetic up I was in makeup at 3 30 in the morning finished at uh, about 9 a.m I had on I had four arms so I was like puppeting my own arms I had about nine feet feet like my feet were huge and I looked like was hair from head to toe with these big lips I literally when I ate I had to be fed pineapple on a toothpick and I was so afraid, excuse me, everybody, to go to the bathroom because to get everything off took four dressers, undressers, and I would literally sit still with an um, ice pack on the back of my neck. They would take the head part a little bit. They could open up the back part. There was like a slit in the back and they had a vacuum. I sat in this kind of freezer area, this vacuum (laughs) with this hose there. So I would say that was the most difficult physically for me if you go to imdb you can check out the pictures and you will not believe and i was so i I was not only blind and i had these huge feet um i also had to be very graceful so i was a ballet dancer but i'm telling you when you're in chewbacca's outfit and you got these arms and and you can't see in this huge and all the prosthetics were covered with hair so it was i had to have people walk me around the set and literally we had to block it so carefully so i wouldn't trip over the children so i would say that was the most challenging physically for me emotionally is a different challenge correct so emotionally it would have to be an audiobook that i just finished it wasn't on camera a uh, very heavy audio book called uh, Dance Me to the End, 10 Months and 10 Days with ALS, about a woman whose husband's diagnosed with a terminal disease, and ALS is a horrific disease. And yes, it is. And that emotional journey of her journey, mm. uh, and I had a similar journey in my life, took everything out of me. I literally, when I would leave the studio, I'd sit in my car to drive home, and I would literally collapse so because it was so, I wanted to do justice to her words, but I'd also been through the same journey. So that's the most recent emotional challenge I've had. So those are two opposite ends of the spectrum, but both exhausting and challenging for me. But a very good. Oh. question. Yeah.
1: Honestly, I, I was actually really glad that you, you chose Ant Beast because that was part of the reason why I asked the question. Oh. Um, so it, looking through, I was looking through your stuff on IMDB and I was like, oh, Aunt Beast. Betcha that was fun. Uh, so I was kind of hoping you'd talk about that a little bit. Oh, so, so yeah. 17 so that was a-
0: hour days. Interesting, you know, I'm, Tim, we're connecting psychopathically here. Um, so it, uh, it was about a 17 hour day. And, you know, I talked to Doug about it. Um, we did a pilot together called Nobility. And I said, I don't know how you do this. I always admired your work because I think you're a phenomenal actor, and he truly is. Mm-hmm. And I will never—I—I I have a newfound appreciation for that kind of work because you have to also project, and I guess having theater training really helps because you have to project past that mask and all that hair and all that prosthetic, and you know the skin. When you take that off, you just want to—I said to Doug, "Aren't you want to?" pull your skin off. He said, oh yeah, you end up a dermatologist. You're, you know, you're just, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really something. And even though I, I had the prosthetics oh, and I had a big fat suit too. And the guy, this is very interesting. I wish I had his name. And I, um, he did all the prosthetics for platoon. So all the arms that were cut off and all the limbs and this, oh, this guy, I said, you've gone from platoon to to uh, Ant Beast, but uh, he was an incredible, he was so knowledgeable about prosthetics. hits it, I was, we had a great team on that movie. A really great. Oh, team. This is the like series before the Oprah one. Right. This was, yeah, yeah. So thank you.
1: No, oh, very cool.
2: So certainly you've had a lot of projects and various projects have found a special place in your heart, but was there one project that was close to your heart that didn't quite get as much love as you were hoping it would get?
0: The one that I loved, I have to say, is my first major sci-fi job it was a series called Lex, which mm-hmm. was kind of the forerunner of a lot of wacky kind of doctor who was sort of a British, German, Canadian production, a, a tri-pro, I guess you'd call that. and. It was just before Farscape, it was just before social media became really big. So I, what I'm upset about for the show, because it's so weird and wacky, and even if you didn't like it, you would never forget it, L-E-X-X, and I think it's now on various streaming services. Um, I kind of was upset about that, and you know, fans are now discovering it now, and they go, why didn't we hear about this? So... I wish there would have been more social media at that time. It was before that. And I think it's one of those uh, projects that I think could have had a lot more of a, a run at a fan base earlier mm. on, you know, gotcha. what was going on. And it was kind of ahead of its time. And it, the first four movies of the week, we had Rutger Hauer. We had Tim Curry. We had Barry Boswick. And the fourth one was Malcolm McDowell. So we had some high profile interesting men who had done major sci-fi stuff. Anyway, if you haven't had a chance to see it, I played Jiggerata the Wicked, who was a the comic relief. I was a, a cannibal that basically ate everything in sight and sort of uh, gave the leading man a lot of trouble, followed him around and <laughs> <laughs> terrorized him in a comedic way. So I think that that's what it was. I, I wish it would have had more press, you know.
1: Okay. Well, I will and go check that out for you.
0: Yeah. You- yeah.
1: It's uh it's on Amazon Prime right now, so you can watch it there. Oh
0: wow. Thank you for telling me. Oh, it's it's out there and it's there's a lot of double entendres. Like one of our the last episode was called Apocalypse Now and it spoofed um, Apocalypse Now and Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad and some very interesting references. The the producer of the show is ext- he's a genius it's a genius. So Paul Donovan who created the
1: show. So check it out, check it out. it yeah, looks great. Okay. All right. So Ellen, I typically ask this question of people very early on in our, our interviews, but there was important star Wars business that I had to address with you first and foremost. So this question got pu- pushed to the end. Uh, so now that the star Wars business has been attended to, I feel better. I know uh, more about my, my new star Wars friend. Um, I can ask this. We Because Nick and I and Kathleen are nerds. We love origin stories. We always like to find out more about the person that we're talking to. So in your story, could you tell us how it is that Ellen got involved in the entertainment industry and what keeps her coming back?
0: I got involved in the entertainment industry because of flat feet. And being unconfident. And uh, being very shy. My parents put me in ballet class because my feet, I had no arches and I was this geeky, gawking kid and I had no confidence. And she put me into ballet class and my dad would drive me every weekend. And at the end of each term, there'd be a recital on the stage. And on the stage is where I learned to love live audiences. When it was as dramatic ballet and there was the dying swan, I would always die an extra five beats. On well, a comedy <laughs> ballet, I naturally waited for it. The laugh, and my ballet teacher at the time, which at the time devastated me, she said to me, you're never going to be a ballet dancer. You're going to be an actress. And at the time, I cried because I wanted to be a ballet dancer. But now at nine feet nine, it's probably better that I'm not a ballet dancer. But I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> and plus my knees gave out at 20 years old. So...
1: Oh yeah, and there's that. Then,
0: yeah, the niece. It's not a good career for niece, but it's it's still my favorite. And so and long story short, it's because of being i confident kid and the ballet recitals. And then I ended up doing a lot of stage and musicals and, and moved to Los Angeles and did, you know, movies and television in Canada and the US because I'm I'm a dual citizen of both countries. And um what keeps me coming back is that adrenaline, that love of Inspiring people, making them laugh, making them cry, scaring the shit out of them, or the poop out of them. Um, it just, um, and I love the fans, and it, it's it's a great distraction in our world to entertain people more than ever. We all need an escape. We all need to identify, not only escape, we all need to root for different characters. So it keeps me, keeps me going to know that I keep other people. More than ever. I think entertainment is vital in
1: right our mm-hmm. vital. I think that's an awesome answer, especially where we've been over the last couple of years. Had it not been for uh entertainment, had it not been for me personally, had it not been for this doing this show and and being having the opportunity to talk to people and, and, and sit across the table from, from awesome people like you and have these conversations. Oh the padded room I would be in. Uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, we all would. We'd all be in the straitjacket. Oh, sure. for sure, for sure. You know, um, and I, I'm so grateful that we had the streaming that we were at the time, the time in the the in, you know in life that we were, so we had streaming services, and I could keep myself entertained with those things during the day, and and I had opportunity to talk with people at night, and there was all these different things going on, even during quarantine, even during all that that stuff. So I very much understand, and and your answer resonates so so deeply with me because you know I. I love the, I, I I love the fact that you know we haven't talked to an answer yet uh, or an actor yet where they're like yeah I just I'm just here for the paycheck, Um well, you know had one
2: person say get a mortgage
1: but yeah. <laughs> well yeah but it, that was only about one particular one particular project he took he's like yeah I I didn't have anything else going I needed to make the mortgage that month um, let me
0: tell you something if you're in it for the paycheck you're in the wrong business you know? oh yeah I'm sure <laughs> but it's <laughs>
1: but it's really very cool to me when I, when, you know, we hear your answers like yours, where it's, you know, I do this because I know it entertains other people and that's what keeps me going. That's, that's, that's more than just a love for it. That's a passion. And then that's, that speaks on a lot of different levels. And I think that's really just amazingly cool. So.
0: I love it. Mm-hmm.
2: And speaking of stories and entertainment, we have a Facebook group that has over 211,000. Yes. And it it's just filled with memes. And a lot of times these memes come from different places and things. But what was something that happened behind set or on set but off camera? Behind set? I don't know, that seemed weird. Behind the (laughs) Yeah, that's it, behind the scenes. I knew what you meant. (laughs) And what was something that happened behind the scenes that felt meme-worthy, or that would be something that you just captured and thought was hilarious?
0: Here's my first instinct. I opened up the door. I see John Heater standing there with his curly hair and those teeth that he put in. Is Trisha hurt? That's a meme. (laughs) You know my face. And only people who know me really well, I literally, it's the first time I saw him on that first take. I literally bit my tongue to get through it. The first part of the scene, because I think it was bleeding. I was laughing so hard because he, what a character, Napoleon. I have to say that as an answer. The first time he opened the door and said, "Is show. and I looked at him as Ellen, because I'm Ellen, not Anne Eileen, whatever. I went, "Oh God, how am I going to get?" You know, there's this little thing on your shoulder sometimes that talks to you as an actor, and you have to try and get rid of it. But I'm like, "Okay, am I going to get through?" I'm literally my tongue and it's going to bleed because I. So that's it. That would be a great meme. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what which, a- uh, show was that?
0: Holy and dynamite.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I have to go rewatch that one because.
0: Yeah. He was brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Always in character and just hard not to crack up. And I have really good discipline for that because I've been on in place in the theater where I work with some act particular actors who try and crack you up in the middle of the play. T- tremendous amount of breathing and discipline.
1: all right Ellen one final question and we call this our silly question you can answer this as serious or as silly as you see fit okay all right if animals were able to talk which one would be the rudest
0: a chimpanzee why it would whack you in the face throw the banana peel in your face and kiss you at the same time (laughs) <laughs> there you go <laughs> hey good answer all right that's a great question i love your questions you guys are hilarious and you oh, do thank you. research too at the same time comedy and research my favorite combo platter in interviews thank you oh thank
2: you, thank you combo platter i feel like
1: there's a joke in there somewhere but i can't find it i'm usually a couple things short of a combo platter so it doesn't matter
0: (laughs) that's why we're doing this right exactly we have to all be a little crazy and nerdy to do this
1: absolutely
2: well ellen thank you so much for being on our show today where can our listeners go to find out more about you and your works
0: Okay, um, let's do the social media thing first. Um, Ellen Dubin, actor on my Facebook fan page, at Ellen Dubin, actor on Instagram. EllenDubin.com website where everything is up to date on there. You can go to your streaming services and watch me do uh, the home AI in the new movie, horror movie, Megan. You can go and watch Dune. Part one, I can't tell you about part two yet, um, on uh, streaming services. Mm-hmm. And you can go and probably I think 65 is now on streaming services with Adam Driver. I play his uh, handheld device and his uh, voice of his ship. Um, oh. Turning Red is still on streaming services. So that's um, really prominent still. Yeah. Um, for some video games, I can't tell you right now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I have? Uh, 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 oh, I did this really interesting sci-fi pilot called The Time is Right. Check the website. It is a time travel. Okay. Um, It's about a game show. And in the game show, the host takes the contestant back in time. But there's certain stipulations and rules that they must follow. But some of the people don't follow the rules, including the showrunner of the show I play. So I'm um, doing some very bad things that might ruin all right. It's a Very interesting show. Um, did I miss anything? I don't think so right now. Uh, oh, The Desperate Hour is on Netflix right now. Opposite Naomi Watts. It's a, a movie directed by Philip Noyce and it's all phone calls, phone conversations, and I play the main hostage negotiator uh, talking Naomi Watts through the situation that's going on in her son's school. The last 10 minutes is riveting. It's really a really interesting movie. He did Dead Calm. Remember that movie? Dead Calm.
1: Mm-hmm. With- yeah.
0: It was interesting to work with him. Um, Very cool.
1: And,
0: uh, oh, I've got a cartoon called Bakugan. It's like an anime cartoon. Yep.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And um, I'm not sure where that's on. I'm playing a new kind of evil bee getting in people's business. Um and that's it. Um you know just and no. I, I am very good at responding to people's emails. Jigarata 100 which was the name of my character in Lex. G I G G E R O T A 100. AOL.com. Don't laugh. Jigarato 100 at AOL.com. No smirking. No no he hee- Um, Jigarato100 at AOL.com. If you have any questions and if you forget it, it's on my IMDb direct contact. I answer every single email that somebody uh, sends me. Any question? I'm really, I believe if a fan can take the time, I can take the time at four in the morning when I have time. So huh. and I mean it. Ask
2: anyone. All right, cool i just pictured you uh in that beast suit mother beast was it Aunt Aunt beast. you know on your laptop just like <laughs> <laughs> i go got the time <laughs> go look at a picture
0: of Jigarat. i've got the head of a person that i've eaten on my back it's quite quite something yeah go and check that out you know it's on my website i think too so thank All right, you cool guys. thank you so much and this has been an absolute pleasure tonight
1: Awesome. Uh, I want to remind everybody uh, that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to help our show continue to grow. It helps us to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Ellen Dubin here and have these great conversations with amazing people for you to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps us more than you'll ever really know. And Ellen just listed off a whole bunch of really cool things. You'll find those down in the show notes down below and all her social media links. We'll have all those down there for you guys to be able to check out her work as well. But if you're not happy with the content of our show today, for whatever reason, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. That, of course, is Captain Phasma. Now, please submit three copies of your complaint form to the First Order. Attention, Captain Phasma. Truthfully, she only needs one copy. But you know how the First Order likes to have things just laying around, you know, extra copies of things. We're looking at you, Papa Palpatine, for that one. Anyway, be sure that you can be sure that Phasma will spare no mercy in doling out the punishment to the podcaster, the podcast, or podcasters who have offended you with their lack of skill. She'll be more than happy to handle us and our issues, although we aren't sure why she keeps calling us Rebel Scum. Oh, well, just be nice in the reports. She might come after you too if you catch her on the wrong day. Rebel Scum. yes (laughs) yes day <laughs> made okay
2: well thanks again Ellen thank you Ellen
0: and you right. let me know when this is on so I can spread the word
1: absolutely alright guys that's going to conclude us for the FSF podcast goodbye ciao on behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF podcast we want to thank you for listening to this episode if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF Popcast, or go to www.fsfpopcast.com and click on the contact link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2023 FSF PopCast. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned on this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by FSF PopCast. The views expressed by the guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at info at fsfpopcast.com. Original music by Jordan Michaels.